Welcome back to Brailcast, connecting the dots for blind people everywhere. And coming up this month... We are designed to be used for Braille for a decade. So you can run an index printer continuously for production. So even our desktop models are quite frequently used for continuous production. We talk Braille embossers and a Braille embosser donation program for World Braille Day. Index Braille is synonymous the world over with Braille embossers. Founded by Bjorn Lofsted and Torvald Lundqvist as Polar Print Production in Sweden in 1989, its first incarnation was as a university project to develop a Braille typewriter with copy function. The company took shape in 1982 and by 1984 a small batch of Index computer braille printers, known as Index 3.7 embossers after the firmware version, were manufactured in Bjorn's garage. The current premises were obtained in 1985, financed by distributing assistive technology around Sweden. This distribution arm continued as Polar Print Production and Index Braille became its own brand in the late 80s with the introduction of the Index Blue Bar, which took tractor-fed paper. The Everest for cut sheet paper followed in 1992. Then came the version 2 platform Basic and Everest in 1995, the 4x4 Pro for booklet printing in 1998, the version 3 platform with USB and network connectivity in 2002 to 2004, the 4 Waves Pro high-speed production embosser in 2005, the version 4 platform with embedded translation and high-speed cut sheet production in 2011, and the version 5 platform with Wi-Fi printing and printing from USB memory stick in 2016. We caught up with Bjorn to find out more about Index Braille, its embosser line, and its new annual donation programme, drawn on World Braille Day each year. And we started by asking Bjorn to tell us more about the history of Index Braille. Yeah, well, in the Index Braille, I'm the manager of Index Braille, and we, I started Index Braille because my mother was blind, and this is in the 80s. And now we are a bit more than 10 people working with developing and production of Braille printers. And the Index is the most common Braille printer brand on the global market. I cannot believe that anyone is unfamiliar with Index. It's certainly a household name in many parts of the world. But can you just describe the current lineup of products that you offer? Yeah, we have... Four embosses in production. The basic is the most popular one for continuous tractor-fed paper. Uh, and this is with one embossing head. So the emboss- the, we have the basic for tractor-fed paper, the Everest for cut-sheet paper, and the fan for, for tractor-sheet paper, and the, the braille box for cut-sheet paper. And the fan fold and the braille box have three embossing heads. So they basically print three times the speed of a basic or an Everest. And um, the basic and Everest is now rated at 140 characters per second, uh, double-sided. 
So what would you say are the kind of the unique selling points of, you know, your devices compared with those from your competition? Well, it's a number of things. One is it's a high quality device. We are designed to be used for Braille for a decade. So you can run an index printer continuously for production. So even our desktop models are quite frequently used for continuous production. Then we have a completely uh, new user interface. So the user interface, you have it from the control panel of the printer, and the user interface can be used by a blind or a sighted person with speech feedback. And this is pretty nice and, and well appreciated. But now we also have a, a Braille app interface, which means that you can connect the printer to a, your local area network. And then from your browser in any computer in the network, you can monitor the printer, you can print, you can edit, you can basically do everything you need to do with the Braille embosser. Many people tell us that they struggle to set up their embossers in the first place. And uh, you know, I know one person who's pretty much given up in, in frustration. Why aren't embossers kind of more plug and play or, or, or maybe some of your new, newer models are? What can we do to make it easier to get people started with their Braille embosser? Well, it is much easier than it was just a few years ago because you don't need any additional software. So in the past, the Braille Embosser was a sort of an island where you need your computer to be set up with the driver and with the Braille editing software and then connected to the printer. This is history now. So today it is just to connect the printer to the local area network and then you open your standard browser. You don't really need to install and drivers or anything else. You just type the IP address of the printer and then the interface the, of the printer called the Braille app would be presented and you can do everything from there. Another thing that is make it so much easier than ever before is that you can use this remotely. So if a customer needs support from Index or our distributors, then we can use a viewing program and look into the customer's computer and then monitor the printer from there. So we can actually guide the user without being there. This is a lot of potential. You can compare it with other, other markets like the uh, maintaining of computers or telephones and all of that are made uh, via an app interface. And... Uh, with the remote support, uh, we can look inside the printer, wherever it is on the, on the globe. Uh, and in the next step, we can also allow our distributors to look inside their customers' printers without traveling there. And that's particularly important at the moment with a lot of countries in lockdown. But yes, it's also a cost saving. And obviously, one of the biggest causes is human resources. And for one person to go out and check a print and just find that maybe the, the cable is loose or, or and the paper is wrong size, it's very, very expensive. To do it remotely, it's much more efficient. Increasingly, Braille displays, you could just plug them into the computer and then the screen reader sees it and, and, and off you go. 
can we get to a situation like that with embossers where you can just plug in the embosser and then then just straight away send content to it with little to no setup is that possible well we we are already there you can say but it is a different because for example in sweden we have swedish in in uk you have english so you need to set up the the language so to say the translation from the the original text to the local language need to be set up and then you need to set up also the page size so you can set it for you know 11 by 11 half or a4 paper or whatever you prefer and so I'm, i mean i'm really excited by the you know the version 5 features you know where you can emboss from your you know your, your mobile device uh, you know that seems like a you know, great step forward. Yeah, one, one thing that I didn't mention is that version 5 have both uh, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth connection. So you don't really need to have the printer connected physically to the computer. You can just have it uh, wireless. And front, uh, well, not front USB, but um, USB-A, so you can plug a memory stick in. You can, yeah, you can pl- plug a memory stick with your files if you have a Word file or or also... Um, Braille files, or doc and docx, and EPUB files. You can plug it in and have it anywhere in on your computer, or plug in the USB stick on the print itself and print from there. When should people use that, and when should we still be using third-party Braille translation software? Well, I think that in eighty, ninety percent of the cases, you can just use the uh, embedded translation and, and editing function of, of the braille printer is so much easier and less complicated to set up and so on. Uh, the only cases when you need a special software, if, if you have complicated formatting issues, you have big tables or multiple languages, then you typically need a third-party editor. And is there any specific software that you recommend? And you have a load of software on the market. The most commonly used is from Duxbury, and this works fine with Index version 5 printers, obviously. Uh, but you you have, for example, Dolphin have a software, and we have, like, I think it's 50 different softwares in different countries. And it's typically more depending on the country or the language than on the functionality of the Braille editor itself the onboard translator it's my understanding you're using the liblui braille library for that is that correct that is correct yeah we use liblui and we also are contributing for improving the standard of liblui in different languages rnib have done some work to update the unified english braille tables in liblui how do you make sure that those onboard translators are kept up to date with uh, the improvements? Because it, I think it's fair to say that some of the early Louis Lib- tables were a little bit questionable in places. Um, I mean, Braille translation is always a tricky question. It's, we cannot check the Braille translation in, in every language. That is impossible. But what we try to do is to have a transparent interface. So if we find something that is questionable, then we contact Libli and typically the, the person that is in charge of this table and try to get it corrected. And you, you push out firmware updates for version 5 very regularly, don't you? I mean, I see a firmware update probably, what, once every 
two or three months. And in the release notes, it nearly always says updated to new version of Live Louis. Correct. We do it uh, typically every time four times a year. And every time we include the, the latest update from Live Louis. So we do use the Libluid community as the source for translation, all translation except Japanese. The update process is very good as well. You can do that on the internet, can't you? Yes, you can simply for upgrading the firmware now on version 5. The easiest way is you just have the printer connected to internet via, via the Wi-Fi network, and then you select just... Uh, firmware upgrade from internet and off you go it's like your iphone i know as a braille reader myself i value dot quality and it's not something that we really talk about in any detail but i understand index have been making some significant progress there yes we have and now the dot type is 0.58 millimeter and it's a perfectly round dot so you can. There is no different now if you compare it for with a, a very very expensive printer with a desktop printer. It's the same high dot quality. And there's no compromise in speed there. No, there's a little bit of compromising with vertical alignment. Uh, if you have higher speed, which we do have, then you get a little bit off the vertical alignment, but it's still so far much better than anyone, any blind people can sense. So you can see it with your eyes, but it's, it will not affect the reading in, in, in any way. We know that uh, Braille paper, if it's slightly thicker, it, it keeps the Braille uh, for longer in, in better condition. What should users be looking for when they're choosing uh, paper for their embosser? First of all, there is nothing like Braille paper. Braille paper is a very, very small part of the Braille paper market, so nobody produces this. This is a standard paper. So what you are looking for is typically 140 to 160 gram per square meter paper, and preferably with a little bit longer fibers. And should we be looking for any particular kind of coating or particles or anything like that? Or as long as it falls within the range you've just described, is that good enough? Or do we need to consider any other attributes? Typically, if, if the paper is qualifying like a office paper, good for copy machines, then it's working fine within, with Braille embosses as well. Now, I know that index embossers have the facility to produce tactile graphics. You could reduce the distance between dots, which is brilliant for drawing shapes or pictorial representations. But often the challenge comes in creating those things in the first place, in creating the the files or the content. Are you able to talk a little bit about that and, and perhaps recommend any tips or techniques that users can consider when trying to create tactile graphics using index embosses? And then the most common used tectographic program is TectaView from the Netherlands. And I'm not really a, an expert with this, but you can import pictures and you can also make uh, the outline of the pictures and convert it into tectographic pictures. And it's beautiful. But most owners I find of uh, embosses are just unaware that they can do this. Yeah, it's, uh, we have an education task there. From, uh, I'm glad that you helped me with this. Uh, so Braille embossers are generally 
perceived as quite loud and, and making a racket. You know, if you had one on your desk in a quiet office, it might feel quite intrusive. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the solutions available to address that? And we, we all know that the noise of a Braille embosser is pretty high. And uh, the concept of Braille embosser is like a loudspeaker. It's You have the paper, which is the speaker, and then you have the solenoids that make, make the noise. So it's the same for all different brands. But what Index have, we have very nice acoustic hoods for the Everest and the basic, we have special design hoods. And with the hood, you get down the noise level to what is acceptable in an office environment. So that's something you would have to buy as an additional component to go with your, your embosser? Yeah, correct. That's the only solution. We don't uh, see any technical development that could solve this. Bjorn, tell us about the Index Donation Programme. And we have a donation programme on our, our website where we donate one Everest and one acoustic hood during 2020. And it's a pretty simple form you need to fill in and uh, present yourself how you work with improving the brain skills and um, describe your, your organisation a bit. And in the beginning of next year, we, we will decide which one of uh, the people that participate that will get the printer. But this has been an ongoing project for a few years. Yeah, so where did that come from? How did that start? It was basically my idea. I thought it was good to get some more awareness about Braille. And we also have quite a, a number of organizations around the globe that don't have enough funds to finance their ambassador to really need it so it's a way to help them you can say so people can go to the index website now enter their details on the form and then when is the winner announced it's the uh, january 2021 and how do you decide who is the winner it's not the decision we, we see how many that have applied during the year and then we select one and then automatically, I mean, randomized from the computer. And then if this one fulfills our specifications, that it's, you know, it's a charity organization, it's working with the aims to improve literacy of the full blind, then they will get it. Do you get many entries? Uh, quite a few. I mean, it's a niche market, but we do have. It's uh, a significant amount of attendees. And is there interest from developing countries? Yes, very much so. It is mainly from development countries, I would say. Are you able to tell us about any uh, previous winners or, or any of those? Are you still in touch with any of the previous winners? Not myself, but obviously my, my support team uh, had been in touch when last year we were also we made a trip to make the installation and and support the user. And I know it's a theme that comes up quite a lot in the uh, whole area of assistive technology. I've worked for assistive technology companies and, and I've been on the receiving end of this question. Can you comment at all about cost? You know, clearly for an individual uh, home user, I think the index basic in the UK currently, it's £2,450, which obviously it's a specialist piece of equipment. I understand that. And it's a very niche market. Is there anything... 
we can do to kind of respond to the challenge of getting more embossers into the hands of customers? And well, first of all, this is a niche market of a niche market. So I think we need to have the perspective that the number of braille embossers every year is about the same number of them as the number of Lamborghinis. So it's a really, really small market. If the market will increase, then the price can go down as well. But what we have done to reduce the cost is to have this embedded translation features. So this it's not necessary to buy an additional software in the typical case. Also, we are working quite a lot to minimize the, the running cost. And of course, you don't have to buy ink. No, you don't buy anything really, but obviously you need to remove paper dust and maybe you need to set up, have uh, support from index with with some setting up or uh, when you change your new computer or something like that. And that is that kind of service is always free of charge. Sure. And what's the expected life cycle of a typical index embosser? How long would you expect your, your customers to be hanging on to it? The short answer is too long, but we have customers with printers that is more than 20 years old. If you take a new version 5, the only part that can need maintain is mechanical part that is affected by dust. But then it's a regular maintaining. There's no, no need to replace parts and so on. We talk a lot about digital braille and lower cost braille displays. What do you see as being the sort of long-term future of hard copy braille? But as, I mean, what we're talking with should talk about is literacy. I think the most important is to increase the literacy amongst the blind people and to have this tool to enable uh, good education and good business. And then there is a couple of trends. One trend is towards mobile phone or portable devices where you have some sort of braille displays. And this is fine, but I see it like a complement, not a, an alternative. Then the other way is to use it on paper. I would say like this, that in my work, like a sighted person, I have a couple of screens and I have like three, four printers and obviously a few braille embosses. And it's a complement. You don't make a decision that you need to have it uh, on display or on paper. Some things that fit good on paper. Otherwise, it's fine if I just read it and, and remember. Bjorn, you have been fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Clearly, you're an incredibly busy man and you've done some wonderful work in supporting blind and partially sighted people around the world uh, to become literate. And, and for that, we, we all thank you. So having heard that interview with Bjorn, I thought it might be interesting to give you a quick whistle-stop tour of some of the features that Bjorn was talking about and answer some more uh, common questions about, for example, how do you emboss a BRF file? So I'll start with that question. How do you emboss a BRF file? Well, there's a few ways in which you can do it on these new Index version 5 machines, but the basic principle is that a BRF file is a pre-formatted Braille file. It has a specific number of 
lines per page. It has a specific number of characters per line. And so what you basically need to do is make sure the embosser is set up to handle that number of characters per line and lines per page and then send the BRF file to it. So how do we know how many lines per page and characters per line there are in a BRF file? Well, I'm in Windows Explorer at the moment and I'm on a list of documents and if I uh, go down one. Welcome to the Braillists.brf 7 of 10. We have welcome to the Braillists.brf. This is a Braillists flyer. Uh, which we created just to uh, talk a bit about the Braillist Foundation and the useful BRF to have a look at. I'm using NVDA for this demonstration with Microsoft Hazel as the speech synthesizer. So let's press enter on this. Welcome to the Braillists.brf-notepad. Text editor edit multi-line number. Edit cursor. Now this is a, um, a, a UK formatted BRF file with page numbers at the top right. And this is useful information. Um, the page numbers at the top right. If I press the home space. key and arrow across, space, 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 space. There's lots and lots of spaces uh, along here, and this is to be expected. If you're on a Perkins and you wanted to put the page number at the far right, you'd well, you'd probably move the carriage across to the right and backspace a couple of times. But um, you know, in, in essence, you're putting lots and lots of spaces. So what I'm actually going to do is press the end key, carriage return, uh, to the carriage return, and go back one. A. So and then we go. If we go back a second time, number. So we have a, a hash sign a. and a, a, a letter A, which is obviously a number one. So while I'm on that letter A, I will press the command to read the status bar, which in NVDA is insert and end in JAWS, it's insert and page down. Status bar LN1, comma, call 42, 100% Windows left Fantastic. Turn. So line 1, column 42. This shows, therefore, that there are th 42 characters per line in this BRF file. Now I shall uh, go back to the start of the line and arrow Space. down a bunch of times until I hear about a page break. <laughs> And you'll have to ignore all these beeps. It's beeps are for uh, indentation. Okay, page break, and then it says some interesting things about Braille slash S number B. Well, of course, number B is the number two. Braille slash S is Braillists uh, as the running header, and there's a page break. Now, um, on the page break, uh, the, the page breaks at the start of the line. So if we go up a line, line four, comma meet and greater NFEXP right bracket TS quote. You can hear all this nonsense, but the important thing is this is the last line of the page. So if I press the status bar button again, status bar LN twenty nine, comma call one one hundred. So line twenty nine. So there are twenty nine lines per page, and there are forty two characters per line in this particular BRF file. This is actually not a particularly standard format BRF file. I formatted it for the type of braille paper that I have and I don't leave a particularly wide margin on my braille paper which is how we ended up with this format. Now um, you need to set your embosser up to deal with that. I will come on to that uh, later on but assuming your embosser is set up correctly, there's a couple of different ways we can emboss this. Let's press Alt F4. Documents window. Items view list. Welcome to the Braillists.brf7. Fantastic. And I'll press the applications key on this and go down. There's quite a lot of items in my context menu, I should warn you, but the one I'm looking for is Index Direct Braille. Context menu. Open O. Analyzer. Edit E. Share with Skype. Move to 17zip. CRCS. Share. Send with Tran. Copy Dropbox. Version History. View on Drop. View Comment. Open in Drop. Smart Syncs. Scan with my Index Direct Braille. I. 
I deliberately let you hear all that, not so much because you needed to know what was in my context menu, but just to show that context menus can get quite long and don't give up if you don't see it straight away. Index Direct Braille is there. Let's press enter. Select printer dialog. Available printers grouping. Available printers list. Index Basic DV5. Now, if we tab... OK button. Cancel button. Available printers grouping. Available printer. We have an OK button and a cancel button. Sometimes your embosser is not selected, in which case the OK button will not be there. So if you just uh, up and down arrow a couple of times, uh, that will make sure the embosser is selected. And then, literally, to emboss this BRF file, all I need to do is press Enter or tab to the OK button and press the space bar, and that will take care of embossing the BRF file for us. Printing file documents. And as you can hear, uh, my embosser is in an acoustic cabinet, but even from the acoustic cabinet, you can hear that the embosser is embossing that BRF file for me. Now, that's all very good. That procedure works very well on Index version 5 machines. Um, it might work on version 4 machines, although I have had some trouble with um, version 4 machines whereby you send it via Index Direct Braille and it doesn't pick up on the fact that it's a BRF file and so it tries to translate it. We'll talk more about onboard translation in a bit. Index in addition to Index Direct Braille, uh, which by the way you have to download that, that's a free download from the indexbraille.com website as is the next tool that I'm going to show you. Um, in addition to Index Direct Braille, Index also have a little program called IB Print. So I'm now going to start IB Print and show you around it. I'll go to the start menu. Search window. Search box. And type IB print. There you go. Press so right to print has already uh, already come up. So we'll press enter on here. It print. Normal cursor. Edit read only multi-line blank. So IB print is a dumb program. Um, dumb as in it doesn't actually do anything other than what it's told. It doesn't try and do anything clever. It doesn't try and work out the type of file. This literally takes a file and sends it without interpretation directly to the Braille embosser. So you cannot use IB print to print a Microsoft Word document to a Braille embosser. If you do that, you will get absolute gibberish. You need to use Index Direct Braille um, to print to an Index embosser. Excuse the fireworks out in the back there. But um, you can use it to print BRF files. So. Uh, this is useful if Index Direct Braille is trying to translate a BRF file or um, if you don't want to use Index Direct Braille for some reason. Uh, so let's tab around here and see what we've got. We've got a multi-line edit box which is blank at the moment. That will show the path to the file once we uh, select one. Embosser, combo box collapsed. Edit Alt plus M selected Index Basic DV5. The choice of embosser, of which we only have one. Copies, combo box, edit Alt plus C1. Now, this is a feature that is not in Index Direct Braille. Index Direct Braille will only emboss one copy. Now, let's say I have a BRF file that I need lots of copies of. Let's say I've got a BRF, I mean, actually, of this flyer. This, this is a particularly good example. I'm going to Site Village, and I need 50 copies of this flyer embossing so that I've got enough on the Braillist's stand at Site Village. Now, you could do it in Index Direct Braille by embossing it and, and doing that whole process 50 times. But in here, you can literally set the number of copies to 50 and it will do it. And what it will do is it will send the file to the Index Embosser once along with a control character 
to make it emboss 50 times so it will be able to do that in no time at all basically the the, the send is done once it's embossing you can turn the computer off you can do whatever you need to do on the computer and, and close index uh, IB print and it will still work um, if you didn't if you didn't elect to use IB print and you were using index direct braille another way to do it would be from the front panel of the embosser but that's a slightly um, longer way of achieving the result that you want to achieve let's tab on add button alt plus add so this is to add the uh, file to emboss we'll come back to this emboss to file checkbox not checked alt plus t this is a diagnostic feature that you don't really need to worry about essentially if you load in a uh, brf file and choose emboss to file it will basically uh, make a copy of that brf file there's no reason in practice why you'd want to do this it's it's just for um technical support reasons why you might want to do that if you need to check out the uh, pipeline or something edit read only multi-line blank and then we're back to this multi-line edit box i'm not going to go through it in this demonstration but just to completeness i should tell you that there is a menu bar in this application where there isn't in index direct braille file alt plus f help alt plus h literally with just two menus file and help file and if we go down the file menu very quickly add file d we have add file remove all files from the list R. options o exit x add file d and there are some interesting options in there now you'll notice that uh, add file remove all files remove from the list all of. files from the list so in theory this can emboss multiple brf files at once however i have never managed to get this behavior to work so it's still really only useful for embossing one brf at a time but you can do multiple copies and critically this will work on index version 5 version 4 version 3 version 2 you know this will work on any index embosser you like so let's um go to the add button let's do alt a to add a file select file s dive. and i'll type in the path to Black X. Uh, where that brailleist's brf file is i com documents items welcome to the brailleist's.brf 7 of 10 and press enter it print Edit read only multi-line selected B. Dropbox Braille Braillists Foundation. And I'll press Alt E and it will emboss that BRF file for me. And notice um, that was very quick. It it sent the file and it's now embossing the file exactly like Index Direct Braille did a few minutes ago. So that takes care of very nicely how to emboss a BRF file. But what if I don't have a BRF file? What if I have a Word document or something like that and I just want to emboss it? Well, of course, I could use a Braille translator like uh, Duxbury or Braille Blaster or what have you, and that would work and that would give me a BRF file. Or in fact, I might probably be able to emboss directly from my Braille translator of choice. But one of the things that Bjorn talked about in the interview was... Uh, onboard translation. In other words, you can send a Microsoft Word document to an index embosser and the index embosser version 4 or version 5, um, it has a processor on it, which means that it can translate using the version of LibLui that's installed in the embosser into whatever uh, translator, you know, whatever language, whatever braille code you want to translate it into. So this translation doesn't happen on the computer. This translation happens on the embosser. So let's show this in action. I'm still in IB print at the moment. Let's alt F4 out of there. Soundforge Pro. And uh, I'm back in Soundforge. Let's alt tab. Document, documents window, items view list. Welcome to the braillelists.brf7 of And 10. I'm back on the BRF file that I used with IB print last time. So if we down arrow once, we'll find the original uh, Word document. 
Welcome to the Brailleists.docx 8 of 10. And I should say this .docx has got things like headings in, so it's a fairly well-formatted Word document. Uh, so it shouldn't cause us too many problems if we use index direct braille. Uh, obviously, if the, if the Word document is not formatted terribly well, if it's not using heading styles and proper list styles and things like that, index direct braille might have a tough job of doing it. But uh, let's let's assume it's formatted well. I'll press the applications key. Context menu. And I can actually just press the letter I and that will launch index direct braille for me. Select printer dialog. Available printers grouping. Available printers list. Index Basic DV5. So Index Basic DV5, and I'll press Enter. Now notice that this will take a little bit longer to emboss than the BRF file, largely because the embosser has got to do some onboard translation. So I'll press Enter, and you'll see how long it takes. Printing file, Documents window, Items view list. So there you have it. I deliberately left it. Um, I didn't trim any silence out of there. I didn't add any extra silence in. So the translation process is not um, super quick. It's definitely quicker if you have access to it and probably more accurate to translate uh, on a computer and then emboss a BRF file. But, you know, if you need a Word document embossing quickly, this is definitely one way of doing it. The final thing to say about Index Direct Braille before I leave it alone is that it also accepts a type of file called .ibe. You should not normally need to worry about .ibe files, but very occasionally Index Technical Support might send you an IBE file. Generally, they contain uh, system parameters. So, for example, if you've had to have uh, your hammers replaced in your embosser, and uh, something's gone wrong, they might have to send you a file that resets your hammers uh, and things like that. This very, very rarely happens nowadays, but if you do need to change internal parameters, it's done by this IBE file. Um, some embossers, particularly the version 4 embossers, uh, would also accept a .ibe file for firmware updating on the version 5s. These are zip files and uh, you can do it by pen drive or you can do it online and we'll come into that later on. But um, I do just want to show what happens if you send it an IBE file. So I'm now in a list of IBE files that I have for demonstration purposes. Escape C hammer batch 1910.ib12 of 29. So here's a file that basically tells the embosser that I'm using hammer batch 1910. Um, so if I do a context menu on here, context menu. I can do I for index direct braille. Select printer dialog. Available printers group. And this is all looking Available. very familiar. Um, <clears throat> what's not so familiar is what happens when we press enter. Printing filed index. So it got the standard thing. Uh, NVDA said, you know, printer, you know, sending to embosser. And actually, if we look, if we check the window title now. Index. Um, escape C hammer. Escape C hammer. You'll notice I'm back in my list of uh, IBE files, but you'll notice that what happened is the embosser beeped loudly and said that it was restarting. So, um, if you send it an IBE file, expect this sort of behaviour. And as you can hear, the fan is going like billio. Index and the embosser has now restarted, and all is right with the world, and it's using hammer batch 1910. 
The final thing that I'd like to do in this part of the demonstration is show you the web app that Bjorn mentioned in the interview. Now, I happen to know the IP address of my Braille embosser. I'll demonstrate how to find the IP address of the Braille embosser in the next part of the demonstration when you'll be able to hear the speech feedback of the embosser a little bit more clearly than you can at the moment. But uh, I happen to know that it's at 192.168.1.9. So I'm going to go into my run dialog box holding down the Windows key and typing R. Run dialog type the name of the program. I'll type that Hold in HTTP colon slash slash 192.168.1.9 and press enter and this will open in my default web browser which is Chrome and it has some wacky uh, sounds going on in the background. Desk untitled Google Chrome Matthew. Normal cursor. Embosser control Google Chrome Matthew. Embosser control. Application. Busy dialog. So it says it's busy. Um, it is busy. It's it's trying to get um, embosser settings and all of that sort of thing. It doesn't toolbar basic DV five text. I was just about to say it doesn't always report when it stopped being busy. Uh, in this case, it did. So this is a web app, meaning it's not a website. Um, you do need to treat it as a web app, something like uh, Google Docs or Google Sheets or, or things like this. It has things that you would expect in an application rather than in a website like toolbars and it has lots of buttons and menus and things like this but it is fairly accessible if we tab around you'll see that uh, there's some interesting things going on update button updates available so it it knows that my embosser is on an old firmware version and is offering to update the firmware so we could update the firmware from here i'm not going to because i want to show how to do that from the front panel bluetooth button bluetooth off wi-fi button wi-fi not connected Wired network button LAN connected. So as you can see, I'm tabbing through all this. It's given me all the status of all the different uh, connections, which is really quite interesting. USB memory button media not connected. So I've got nothing in the uh, memory stick slot. Printer status button idle. So that would tell me, for example, if it was embossing something, it would tell me that it was embossing something. Uh, if it was offline, it would tell me it was offline. Logged as admin button logged as admin. Um, I'm logged in as the admin. I don't think it's possible to log in as anything else, actually. Opens the print settings page. But opens the braille layout page. Button. Opens the communication page. Button. Opens the settings page. Button. Opens the information page. Button. Active 2. 11x12 double-sided button collapsed. So, basically, everything that you can do on the embosser front panel like setting up your paper settings and everything, setting up your layouts, can all be done from here. If I press the space bar on this button, for example... Expanded. 2. Active. 11x12 double-sided combo box 2. Active. 11x12 double-sided collapsed. Change active layout. It's changing the active layout. If I go down, you'll, you'll see I've actually got several layouts that are the same. It doesn't report, for example, what the margins are. 3. 11x12 double-sided. 3, 11x12 so this is a, the same paper but with a slightly narrower margin. I know this because I set it all up. But if we look at the next one down. 4, 11.5x11 tractor sideways Z folding. 4, 11.5x11 tractor sideways Z folding. So this is a, a very special layout that I use for um, American thermoform paper. Um, and then it doesn't wrap, but I could go back up again. 3, 2, 1, 11x12 double sided. 1, 11x12 double sided. 2, active, 11x12 double sided. So I'll press two, active, enter on 11 here. 2, active. And uh, keep tabbing down. List. Layout number 2, 1 of 22. And now I can see all the information about this paper layout. Layout name 11x12 double-sided. Layout creator basic DV56. Region Europe 4 of 20. Paper size 11x12 5 of 20. 
Distance from paper edge to first braille line 5.0 millimeters. Print type double sided 7. Folding line no folding line 8 of 20. So I'm just down arrowing through this list like I would in a normal list view. Line spacing single 5.0 millimeters 9 of 20. Adjustment to line spacing 0.0 millimeters. Braille cell size standard braille 2.5 millimeters 11 of 6 or 8 dot braille cell 6.12 of 22. So you'll see, you know, if I want to emboss jumbo braille. Braille cell size standard braille 2.5 millimeters 11 of 22. You know, I could change the braille cell size. The only problem is that you can't edit it from here. You have to go and edit the layout, which is slightly counterintuitive. But let's uh, back tab. Two, active, active two, it opens the information page. Active two, 11x12 double-sided button expanded. O opens the settings page, opens the communicate, opens the braille layout page. Button. If I press the space bar on here, Two, active, 11x12 double-sided combo box 2, active, 11x12 double-sided collapsed available layouts. Okay, and now I can tab down. List, layout number 2, 1 of 22. Shows paper information button. Shows table information button. Set active layout button. Edit layout button. Right, so it's here that I need to be. This is sort of the same screen that we were before, but not quite. So, edit layout 2, layout name dialog. Edit type parameter value 11x12 double-sided. Right, this is very verbose. Let's tab down, though. Next parameter layout creator button. Toolbar. Cancel button. Right, so... Next edit type parameter value selected 11x12 double-sided. So, you, you sort of just have to next and next and next and next. Next parameter layout creator button. Europe. Basic DV5 control document. Unknown. Next parameter paper size button. 11x12. Right, so it's there. So if I press the, so I'm basically pressing the space bar, and then it, and then I'm pressing the tab key to go back to the next button. Next parameter distance, five section, spin button editable, select parameter, next parameter print type button, double sided, basic DV5 control. So for example, Unknown. if I wanted to print Edit single layout, sided, print. next double sided combo box. I could uh, down arrow here. Double sided Z folding, single sided Z folding, sideways Z folding, sideways Z folding, single sided. Sideways Z folding, double-sided, single-sided. And there's all these different options for how you want your uh, paper to be. Z folding is uh, an interesting one. Z folding has to do with... Um, so normally it will emboss um, the first line of the first page down to the last line of the first page, and it'll start again with the second, the first line of the second page down to the last line of the second page, third, first line of the third page, and so on. Um, but this means that if you fold the paper, because this is a, a basic and it's doing uh, tractor-fed paper, when the paper comes off on a roll, um, that means that the uh, pages are not the right way around. So you have to burst the pages before you bind them. If you Z-fold, it will do the first line of the first page down to the last line of the first page, and then it will do the last line of the second page down to the first line of the second page, which means that when you have the paper all... Uh, nicely, you know, unbursted, like just, you know, unperforated, you know, before you've torn the paper up, the sheets are still in the right order. So you could put it through the binding machine first and then un, uh, uh, then then tear the sheets. That's what Z-folding does. Um, but let's set it back to double-sided double and go down six. to the next parameter. Next parameter, no folding line combo box. Next, single 5.0 millimeter. Next parameter, section, application. Spin button editable select parameter value selected 0.0. .0. Next, standard braille 2.5 millimeters combo box standard braille 2.5 millimeters collapse. So there you select go. So let's value. change this to jumbo braille. Jumbo braille 3.2 millimeters. Jumbo braille 3.2 So I've done this. Next parameter so it looks like what we have to do blank. is keep going. Lines per page, toolbar, close button, lines per page changed to 26 characters per line changed to 31 binding margin changed to no characters text. Ah, uh, okay, so... 
Um, Toolbar. Close button. Close. Lines per page. Because we've changed it to jumbo braille, it's changed Toolbar. a whole load of settings. Close button. That's close. Fine. Edit layout two six or eight dot braille cell dialog six dot next parameter text to braille translation but toolbar cancel but next toolbar previous parameter previous parameter six or eight dot English unified combo English u dot e dot b next parameter legacy braille translate index braille table next para basic dv5 control document unknown application edit layout two lines per page dialog 26 section spin button edit next parameter top margin button no lines combo box next para not available not available combo box not available next parameter 31 section spin button next parameter no characters combo box next parameter blank application edit layout two number of pages in each braille volume next parameter off combo box collapsed next parameter multiple impact one stroke end of wizard button blank so application. notice wizard there was an end of dialogue wizard save button. to finish or cancel to exit the editor toolbar close button close I think I'm just going to press close. Edit layout to multiple impacts dialog. End of wizard button. Toolbar. Save button. All right. Okay. So um, we don't actually want to press the end of wizard button. We want to press the uh, save button, which is which is down there. So let's press the save button. Blank. Application. Confirmation dialog. Are you sure you want to save this configuration? Toolbar. Yes button. Now, um, I'm actually not going to save this because I don't particularly want jumbo braille. So let's no uh, go to no and press the space bar on here. Edit layout to multiple impacts dialog. Toolbar. Save button. Cancel button. Okay. And so it's not, it's, it's put me back here. So I have to now press the cancel button. Blank. Application. Confirmation dialog. Are you sure you want to cancel the layout editing? Okay. No button. Yes, I'm Are sure. Are you sure you want toolbar? Uh, yes button. Yes. Edit layout to multiple impacts dialog. Toolbar. Cancel button. Edit layout button. And now it's put me back here. So the application is accessible. It's really, really good, actually. But you do just need to be aware that there are uh, lots of quirks like that. And it, there are some times when you expect it to function in a certain way and it doesn't. Let's um, just quickly Add see what else button. we can find. Delete layout, backup and restore layouts button. User defined paper button. User defined tables button. Not secure menu button. I mean, there's a Address whole load of stuff here. Update button. But what Update. I want to Bluetooth show. Wi-Fi button. Wired network button. USB memory. Printer status button idle. Locked as admin button locked as opens the print settings page button. Now the thing about this button that there's not really a home page of this app as such, but when you launch the app for the first time, it's the print settings page where you end up. So um, let's press the space bar on here. Browse button. And you'll notice I've ended up on a browse button. So in theory, I could browse. Open dialog file name. File name combo box. Let's type in. A path. In. Item. Braillists customs. And. Welcome to the braillists.brf7 of 9. Welcome to the braillists.docx8 of 9. So I could press enter on here. Basic DV5 control Google Chrome Matthew. And uh, tab around. Application. Print button print document. And I could print this um, welcome to the braillists thing, which I've uploaded into the app. And there is also a braille editor in here. Range. And I'm just shift tabbing. So um, as you can see, there are some fairly comprehensive options here. If I only want to to print, you know, some pages, there are options to do this. In button editable number of copies selected one. And I can choose the number of copies in here. But let's just press the print one, button print and just button. prove that something's going to work. Printing active dialog. And notice it says... Print button. Toolbar. Printer status button error. Okay, and... 
<laughs> this, is, this is quite fortuitous actually that it says there's an error and um, there's obviously a problem with the uh, paper or something there you go and it's it's telling me there's an out of paper so um, I'm not going to carry on and demonstrate any more of this you've got a fair old gist of how this application works it's definitely worth if you have an index embosser definitely worth going and having a play with this because this is a huge upgrade on what's been available in an embosser before and it does make uh, making changes to embosser settings and things it does actually when you get used to how it works make it a lot easier I will show in the next section of this demo how to change settings from the front panel and you'll see that actually changing settings from the app from the web app is so much easier so having given you a demonstration of some of the PC based features of the index embosser range I'd like to now show you the front panel and how to use the embosser without connecting it to a computer so to speak and the first thing I'm going to do is upgrade the firmware the reason why I'm doing this first is because it's quite a long process and so while this process is going on I can give you some interesting hopefully preamble so let's press the menu button and I'll talk through all this properly in a second but for now I'll just down arrow print gray layout communication user service right arrow firmware update right arrow again firmware upgrade from internet and press the OK button OK system upgrade starting so the way this looks these uh, buttons on the version 5 embossers are very different to the uh, index buttons that you would have on previous embossers they are actually buttons now whereas before it was just sort of a flat uh, membrane they are buttons with braille above the buttons rather than braille on the buttons and there are fewer of them so there's an online and an offline and a form feed as you would expect and then there's here we go then there's a menu button and a help button and then a sort of circular thing with up down left right and select or okay in a in a circle shape and then change sign 1 and 10 and then a speaker off to the right you'll notice that the speech is a cappella graham you can change this in the language settings um, and notice as well that the speech is quite slow you can't change the speech rate and the speech is quite unresponsive unfortunately there's, there's quite a lag between pressing the uh, arrow button and hearing a response and unfortunately um, this is true throughout the system and there doesn't seem to be much of a way of uh, fixing it uh, Graham is the best of a bad bunch if you set it to US Restarting update manager to continue upgrade Yeah System so, upgrade starting So this is great so obviously you can hear the upgrade process is talking and it's being very uh, very verbose and, and you know this is all very useful but um, uh, very slow and yes if you change it to um, acapella American acapella the responsiveness is even worse than uh, UK acapella the other thing I should say I'm not going to cover Bluetooth in any of this demonstration largely because I don't really have a device that will oh, do it available. I mean I suppose I do I have an iPhone but I've never really used it and um, don't really uh, have an interest in using it but it will work largely I imagine in the same way as does Wi-Fi uh, and um, USB which we will talk about 
Talking about form factor, the form factor of index embossers hasn't changed in a long time. So the basic shape of the index version 5 line is very similar to the basic shape of the index version 4 line and version 3 and version 2. In fact, it's, it's near identical. Um, you'd be hard pressed by shape alone to tell whether it was a version 5, 4, 3, 2 or, or so on. You can tell by the buttons, of course, and you can tell by the speech. Um, the one thing to note about this form factor is a little bit awkward is that the USB port, if you want to connect, say, a memory stick to emboss directly from a memory stick, and we'll show that a bit later on, if you want to connect one of those, the USB port is around the back. So embossers now ship with a USB extension cable. If you didn't get one in the box because you bought your embosser a long time ago, don't worry, you can just use any off-the-shelf USB extension cable. I highly recommend using one of these, especially if you've got one of these nice um, index acoustic hoods. Um, you, there is a way of feeding the cable. You sort of feed the cable um, out of the back of the embosser and down the side of the hood, kind of um, where the paper sits, but but sort of further left than that. And, uh, and then it feeds down. And then in the bottom of the acoustic cabinet is the end of the extension into which you can plug a uh, USB pen drive. The acoustic cabinets are very nice. Um, they're not as big. So the, the, the version 3 acoustic cabinet for things like the Index Basic was a huge floor standing cupboard and it could it could hold, you know, a thousand pages in the top uh, of, of blank paper and a thousand pages in the bottom of embossed paper. The new version 5 um, acoustic cabinets, or well, version 4 acoustic cabinets, they haven't updated these. Um, restarting the complete system upgrade. Yeah, the... Printer is restarting. I, I was just about to sort of, I was just starting to think maybe I needed to press something, but I don't. It's just the upgrade process takes a long time. But uh, yeah, the, the new version 4 cabinets are desktop cabinets. Um, they are mostly glass and wood. I've got the lid up at the moment, but if I put the lid down, so there's, there's a glass lid... Um, which covers the embosser, uh, and that's all nicely done. And then there's a glass front, and if I pull down the glass front, you'll hear it's it's magnetic. And so it, these can take a hundred sheets of paper, roughly, roughly a hundred sheets of paper, um, blank on a little tray, and then roughly a hundred sheets of embossed paper in the bottom. So you basically, if you have the whole cabinet open. You have um, a shelf to which the embosser, on which the embosser sits, and then not very far underneath that, you have another shelf where the paper sits, and that shelf has got a metal um, thing on it. Index Basic DV5. So that you, so the paper doesn't fall off, and so you can feed the paper up into the embosser, and then the paper comes down the back of the cabinet. Um, through a hole, bypassing the paper shelf and straight into the bottom, into this rather nice uh, wooden bottom. So, um, that's an exploration of the acoustic cabinet, and basically just to fill time while that upgrade process is, uh, is finished. If I want to know whether the upgrade process has worked, I can press the help button. Help. Index Basic DV5. Layout 2. 11. By 12 inches, portrait, print type, double-sided, firmware version is 
2020, October the 21st. Pre-release. So Serial number is 65935. So it sounds like actually that didn't work. Let's try checking for updates again. I think it did work and it's reported the wrong information. Open menu mode. Print. Braille. Communication. User service. Firmware update. Firmware upgrade from internet. And notice at the moment I've got firmware upgrade from internet. Firmware upgrade check. Firmware upgrade check. Firmware upgrade from internet. So if I do firmware, firmware upgrade, upgrade check. check. Okay. Close menu mode. Um, it just said close menu mode. I wonder if it's um, it should be checking. You often wonder with these things whether it's actually working or not. Um, a way of working out whether it is possible to check would be um, to check whether it has internet connectivity. And the way to do this, and this is also the way in which you get the IP address, is to do help plus 10. So I'll press the help button first, and then I'll press the number 10. Help 10. Wired network 192.168.1.9. OK, so um, clearly it does have an internet connection. Firmware upgrade check has just not worked. but. Um, I'll run a firmware upgrade from internet then, but before I do that, I'll pull the front down of this cabinet and connect in a USB pen drive. And I'll, um, I'll close the cabinet back up again, and I'll go through the menu, and you'll notice that there's one more option in this menu that wasn't there before. Braille communicate users. Firmware update. Firmware upgrade from internet. Firmware upgrade from USB memory. So... Firmware upgrade from USB memory. I'll go back up to firmware, firmware upgrade, upgrade from, internet from internet and press enter. Or okay. Press, okay. System upgrade starting. Notice that firmware upgrade from USB only exists if a USB device is connected. This is the same when we get on to talking about how to print directly from the front panel. Um, this is the same here. So if print from USB or firmware upgrade from USB is not available, it's because there isn't a USB device connected or that the USB device that is connected is not recognized. And sometimes this happens if, for example, the... Um, no updates available. Mm. So it says no updates available. So clearly the firmware update has worked. It's just reporting the wrong uh, version number. I'll try pressing help again. Or not? Seems to have uh, seems to have locked up now. System upgrade succeeded. Oh, well, having said no updates available, it's now telling me system upgrade succeeded. Um, that's very nice. I wonder what happens if I press the help button. Oh no, it's going to restart. So there's no updates available, but it's going to uh, restart anyway and try to run an update. Um, again, I would edit this out of the recording, except. I think it's possibly useful for you to know that there are some quirks in how this works. Let's press the help button again now and just check this is reporting the correct firmware information. I should say there's no way of stepping through this information. I've just got to sit and listen to it until it gets to the right bit. Firmware version is 2020 October the 21st. Pre-release. Serial number is... Six, five, nine, three, five. Well, I guess that's the firmware that we're on, and it was on the latest version after all. I thought there was a more recent version out than that. Anyway, let's talk about 
uh, layouts and things. If I'm on the front panel and I press the up arrow or the down arrow key, um, I get a, a layout selection. I'll do it with the up arrow first. Arrow up. Select active. Layout 2, 11 by 12 inches. Portrait. Print type. Double sided. Now you can interrupt this, it's just, uh, it, it's very laggy. So I'll press the up arrow key and see how uh, which way around it goes. Select active, layout three. Select active, layout four. Might press the down arrow key. Layout. Select active, layout three. Select active, layout two. Select active, layout one. So 11, this is not efficient. Um, you know, the, the speech could be a bit more efficient here and it doesn't have to say select active all the time. And if it drops select active, it would be a little bit more efficient, which is why I say if you can use the web app, I would definitely use the web app. If you've decided you've come in here by mistake, you can cancel with the online button. Online. You have exited menu mode without taking any action. And I will just show, um, just because it might speed things up a little bit. Remember that when I pressed up arrow for the first time, it said up arrow. If I press down arrow, however, select active. Layout two. It doesn't say down arrow. I'll press online and, and get out of here. It doesn't say down arrow. So I tend to use down arrow to select layout rather than up arrow. Even if ultimately I want to go up, I'll do down arrow, up, 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 because it avoids this initial up arrow message and the uh, waiting that you have to do for it to get past that. The menus are fairly self-explanatory. I won't go through all of them, but the, the basics are basically you press oh, the menu, menu button and then you have you can down arrow through them um, and you can write arrows. So I'll, I'll talk now about, well, I'll talk now about how to print a file. Um, so I'm on print. If I write arrow now, print previous document. I've got uh, if there was a document in memory, so let's say I'd printed a copy of a document and I wanted to print another copy, um, I could do that and there's options to choose um, whether I want the whole document or just specific pages of a document. So if there, were, if there was a dodgy sheet of paper or something, I could just emboss the dodgy page. Print from US, bring memory stick. So that's what we want, but I'll go down and look at the rest of them. Print demo files. Print braille manual. Print test document. Now there's a lot of very interesting test documents in here and I won't go through them all, but you could print, for example, all of the internal parameters. So if you needed to tell technical support what was going on, uh, you could do this and it comes out in Braille and um, all of it's really accessible through the web app. But if you don't have access to the web app, this is another way of getting access to the information. Print previous document. And then we've gone back round. So let's go. Print from US. Bring memory let's, stick. Let's press the OK button on here. Folder. System volume information. Now I should tell you this is a 16 gigabyte pen drive formatted FAT32 with the system volume information folder in it because that's what Windows puts in it by default and two files and it took 10 seconds to scan that pen drive for those two files so it really is not a fast process you would be better off if you can doing it through index direct braille or uh, ib print or the web app but here we are and i can see the two files welcome to the brailist.brf welcome to the brailist.docs 
And this is an uh, this is where synthetic speech really comes into its own. I'll go down one more. Folder. System volume information. And it's wrapped round. This is useful to know. If you had hundreds of files on this pen drive and you knew that Welcome to the Braillists was at the bottom, you could in fact up arrow from here. Welcome to the Braillists.docs. And get back to it. Now, if you emboss the uh, BRF version, it is the same as with IDB index direct Braille. It knows not to do any translation and it will do it relatively quickly. If you emboss the Word document, it will need to do onboard translation and it's smart enough to know that it needs to do onboard translation. So let's press the OK button on here and see what happens. Bear in mind the onboard translation does take a little while. The selected document will now be printed. <laughs> And it's now printing. I deliberately left that so that you could um, see um, how long it takes. And um, it's making a slightly different sound than normal. I don't know why it's doing that, but um, there you go. It's all embossing as normal. If I want to cancel embossing, by the way, I can press the offline button. So that's stopped it, that's paused embossing basically and I could press the um, online button to restart it. However, in this case, I actually don't want to because I don't want to waste any more paper. So um, if I press the form feed button, it will spit the paper out forwards and um, the new uh, cabinets have got a razor blade in the top of them and a nice little slider. So if I press the form feed button, it'll go forwards and then I can use the, the trimmer on the back of the cupboard to to trim the paper and, and collect it from the bottom. I'm actually going to spit it out backwards though and to do that I do a form feed and offline which will spin it out backwards. Ready. Well it would do except it needed to go offline first which is a little bit unfortunate so um, with it now having sort of cancelled the job completely as it were rather than pausing it it's, it's stopped it. I will just demonstrate um, reversing the paper out because that can be a very useful uh, feature if you need to get paper out quickly. Let's do a form feed offline and show you what that sounds like. Feed offline. And you might recognise that that sound from the end of Brailcast. The uh, the closing of Brailcast is indeed the paper being fed back out of a braille embosser having finished a braille embossing job. So the embosser has embossed a document. It does in fact have a safely remove hardware option. If we go into the menus. Open menu mode. Print. Braille layout. Communication. We'll right arrow on communication. USB. And we'll right arrow again. Press OK to safely remove the USB memory. OK. You can now safely remove the USB memory. Close menu mode. So there are some nice little touches like that. The final thing I want to show, just to give you an idea of the uh, control panel, I'm not going to show everything on the control panel because um, a lot of it you probably will never need to use and it's fairly intuitive once you get the hang of how to do it anyway. But I will just show changing layouts and uh, show that most of the options, if not all of them, that were available in the web app are available on the front panel. But the web app does make it easier to do certain things. So let's go to the menu. Open menu mode. And print. Braille layout. Down arrow. And now I'll, um, I'll right arrow on here. 
Edit active layout too. Now I could do this. I am actually going to create a new layout just because it's uh, slightly uh, easier and it means I'm not going to mess up my settings. Use a defined paper. Add layout. So let's press OK on here. OK. Do you really want to add layout? Okay, yes I do. So to do yes I have to press OK and to do no I have to press online. Layout 5 is added and selected. So notice that it didn't ask me for any information when I added this layout. What it's actually done is duplicated the layout that I'm on and added it as a new layout. So I now need to go back to edit layout. So let's open, open the menu. Now, I have two wizards. I have to down arrow through these. Advanced wizard. Press OK to start. The standard wizard is probably what you need, but I will show you the advanced wizard because it's where all the settings are. Region. Europe. So basically what you have to do is um, press OK if you want to modify any of these settings. And if you don't want to modify, just keep pressing right arrow, not down arrow. If you down arrow, arrow down. Running wizard no function. it just tells you no function. So this is slightly unintuitive. You have to right arrow through wizards and uh, use the select key and then up and down to change uh, options. So paper size, Europe, 11. By 12 inches. Portrait. Fantastic. And right arrow again. First line offset. 5.0 millimeters. Print type. Double sided. So if I wanted to change this to say single sided, I'd have to press the OK button on here. Select. Double sided. And then I could up and down arrow. So if I up arrow. Single sided. Then I get to single sided and press OK again. Value changed. Print type. Single sided. And then I can After this value has been changed. Characters per line and line per page are set to maximum. Now this is important because um uh, I hadn't got them set to maximum. So it's good of it to tell me this. It's very frustrating that it's done that though, because there was no real need for it to do that. Let's carry on. Line spacing. Single line spacing. Adjust line spacing. Braille cell size. Six or eight dot braille cell. Text to Braille translation table. Legacy Braille translation table. Lines per page. 29 lines. So if I changed this, if I changed this to um, 28 lines, then I'd be able to set a top margin of a maximum of one. Um, this is different. The, the older types of embossers didn't work like this. Um, but these newer types do. So because it's set to 29, I now cannot do anything with the top margin. Um, if, I, if I wanted a top margin of 1, I'd have to set it at 28. If I wanted a top margin of 1 and a bottom margin of 1, so effectively 27 lines per page, I'd have to set it to 27 and then set the top margin of 1. And then that would imply a bottom margin of 1 as well, if you see what I mean. So I'm not going to do it... Um, on lines. What I'll do it on is characters. Top margin, zero line, braille page number, not available. Now braille page number is not available because there's no margin to put the braille page number on. This uh, relates to index direct braille. Um, you can set it so that IDB will add page numbers. So to do that you'd have to set the line, the lines per page to say 28 and then set the top 
margin to one, and then in the margin will go the page number. Characters per line. 46 characters. Now, this will give me characters with no margins, so let's reduce this to something more sensible like 42. Edit. Characters per line. 46 characters. Now I'll down arrow and see what happens. 45 characters. It is working, actually. Characters. Sometimes it does. Characters. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, if I wanted to, though, I could use the numbers 1 and 10, and I could also, if I wanted to decrease, because 1 and 10 will go up by default, if I wanted to, I could use the CHS or change sign to decrease. So, for example, I'll press CHS. Increase. Well, it's actually on increase already. Let's press it again. Decrease. Okay, so if I press the 10 button now. 32 characters. 20. 12 characters. Notice there's some significant lag there. So I've got it down to 12. If I press it, CHS again, Increase. and now press the number 10. 22 characters. 32 characters. 42 characters. So 42 is where I want it, so I'll press OK. Value changed. And now per line. I'll, it, it echoes characters. it back, so I'll right arrow. Binding margin. Zero characters. Binding margin. This it, it deliberately calls it binding margin because... Um, if you're embossing on the front side, it's the left-hand margin. If you're embossing on the back side, it's the right-hand margin. Um, and so to avoid any confusion, they call it binding margin. Let's see what happens if I press Select. here. Zero characters. Now, I can't use 1 and 10 in this mode. Edit mode. No function. Edit mode. No function. It just doesn't work. I have to use the arrow keys here, so I'll down arrow. Four characters. And... It works, um, yeah, it's it's gone down. So actually uh, it, it wraps around. So I could have a maximum of four characters on the binding margin. So if I had maximum, if I had four characters on the binding margin, what that would do is it would push 42 characters per line. It would push those 42 characters so that um, at the left there was a wide margin and on the right there was no margin at all. The maximum is four. If I want the text dead centre on the page, therefore, I have to halve four and get two. And so, therefore, if I set the margin of two, I'll have two characters on the left-hand side, 42 characters of Braille, and then two characters spare, which would be implied on the right-hand side. Three characters. Two characters. Value changed. Binding margin. Two characters. Multiple impacts. One impacts on each Braille dot. So this means it will punch each dot once. It will. So if I've got a, a four sign, it will just do one four sign and then move the paper down and do another four sign and move the paper down and so on. I can adjust this so it will do four sign, four sign, move the paper down, four sign, four sign, move the paper down. The reason why I'd want to do this is if you're embossing on, say, self-adhesive labelling sheets and you want extra clear dots, um, this is a useful uh, feature to have. Wizard completed. Press OK to save. And then now, press on to cancel. yeah, I can press OK on here. Save settings. Layout 5. Close menu mode. And it's saved. Finally, very, very finally, to turn the embosser off, I just hold down the offline button. And similarly to turn the embosser on, I just hold down the online button. So I'll turn the embosser off now and you'll hear what that sounds like. Printer is shutting down. And I don't know if you heard that, the speaker popped and a motor got released and that shows that the embosser is off. It is very important to 
do it that way. You cannot simply um, turn it off at the wall. Because there's a computer in there, the computer needs to shut down um, the same as a Windows computer or um, a Macintosh or whatever. It's actually a Linux computer if you're interested, but it needs to shut down. So it is very important when you've finished using the embosser that you press the offline button, hold it down and turn it off in the proper way. And that brings to a close this episode of Brailcast. Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Index Braille, you can visit www.indexbraille.com. And if you live outside Sweden, then please don't panic. There is a full international distribution and information about that can also be found on the Index Braille website. And we have a number of links in the show notes that you might find of interest. Don't forget you can subscribe to Brailcast in your podcast client of choice. Just search for Brailcast and we also have the RSS feed on our website which is brailcast.com and if you'd like to send us any feedback please do do so. The email address to do that is news at brailcast.com So from myself, Matthew Horspool, Dave Williams and the rest of the team, thank you for listening and we'll see you again next time. Music